Section 16 of the Book of Sir Marco Polo the Venetian Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dave Gillespie, Ashland, Kentucky. The Book of Sir Marco Polo the Venetian Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 2 by Rudischello de Pisa, translated by Henry Yule. Book Second, Part Two, Chapters Thirty-Two to Thirty-Five. Chapter Thirty-Two, Concerning the Island of Scotra. When you leave those two islands, and go about five hundred miles further toward the south, then you come to an island called Scotra. The people are all baptized Christians, and they have an archbishop. They have a great deal of ambergris, and plenty also of cotton stuffs and other merchandise, especially great quantities of salt fish of a large and excellent kind. They also eat flesh and milk and rice, for that is their only kind of corn, and they all go naked like other Indians. The ambergris comes from the stomach of the whale, and it is a great object of trade. The people contrive to take the whales with barbed iron darts which, once they are fixed in the body, cannot come out again. A long cord is attached to this end, to that a small boy, which floats on the surface, so that when the whale dies they know where to find it. They then draw the body ashore and extract the ambergris from the stomach and the oil from the head. There is a great deal of trade there, for many ships come from all quarters with goods to sell to the natives. The merchants also purchase gold there, by which they make a great profit, and all the vessels bound for Aden touch at this island. Their archbishop has nothing to do with the Pope of Rome, but is subject to the great archbishop who lives at Bodus. He rules over the bishop of that island, and over many other bishops in those regions of the world, just as our Pope does in these. A multitude of corsairs frequent the island. They come there and encamp and put up their plunder to sale, and this they do to good profit, for the Christians of the island purchase it, knowing well that it is Saracen or pagan gear. And you must know that in this island there are the best enchanters in the world. It is true that their archbishop forbids the practice to the best of his ability, but tis all to no purpose, for they insist that their forefathers followed it and so they must also. I will give you a sample of their enchantments. Thus, if a ship be sailing past with a fair wind and a strong, they will raise a contrary wind and compel her to turn back. In fact, they make the wind blow as they list, and produce great tempests and disasters, and other such sorceries they perform, which it will be better to say nothing about in our book. End of chapter 32 Chapter 33. Concerning the Island of Madagascar. Madagascar is an island toward the south, about a thousand miles from Scotra. The people are all Saracens, adoring Mohammed. They have four sheiks, that is, four elders, who are said to govern the whole island, and you must know that it is a most noble and beautiful island, and one of the greatest in the world, for it is about four thousand miles in compass. The people live by trade and handicrafts. 
in this island and in another beyond it called zanzibar about which we shall tell you afterwards there are more elephants than in any country of the world the amount of traffic in elephants teeth in these two islands is something astonishing in this island they eat no flesh but that of camels and of these they kill an incredible number daily they say it is the best and wholesomest of all flesh and so they eat of it all the year round they have in this island many trees of red sanders of excellent quality in fact all their forests consist of it they have also a quantity of ambergris for whales are abundant in that sea and they catch numbers of them and so are oil heads which are a huge kind of fish which also produce ambergris like the whale there are numbers of leopards bears and lions in the country and other wild beasts in abundance many traders and many ships go thither with cloths of gold and silk and many other kinds of goods and drive a profitable trade you must know that this island lies so far south that ships cannot go further south or visit other islands in that direction except this one and that other of which we have to tell you called zanzibar this is because the sea current runs so strong towards the south that the ships which should attempt it would never get back again indeed the ships of maybar which visit this island of madagascar and that other of zanzibar arrive thither with marvelous speed for great as the distance is they accomplish it in twenty days whilst the return voyage takes them more than three months this i say is because of the strong current running south which continues with such singular force and in the same direction at all seasons tis said that in those other islands to the south which the ships are unable to visit because the strong current prevents their return is found the bird griffin which appears there at certain seasons the description given of this is however entirely different from what our stories and pictures make it for persons who had been there and had seen it told messer marco polo that it was for all the world like an eagle but one indeed of enormous size so big in fact that its wings covered an extent of thirty paces and its quills were twelve paces long and thick in proportion and it is so strong that it will seize an elephant in its talons and carry him high into the air and drop him so that he is smashed to pieces having so killed him the bird griffin swoops down on him and eats him at leisure the people of those isles call the bird ruck and it has no other name so i wot not if this be the real griffin or if there be another manner of bird as great but this i can tell you for certain that they are not half lion and half bird as our stories do relate but enormous as they be they are fashioned just like an eagle the great khan sent to those parts to inquire about these curious matters and the story was told by those who went thither he also sent to procure the release of an envoy of his who had been dispatched thither and had been detained so both those envoys had many wonderful things to tell the great khan about those strange islands and about the birds i have mentioned they brought as i heard to the great khan a feather of the said ruck which was stated to measure ninety spans whilst the quill part was two palms in circumference 
a marvelous object. The great Khan was delighted with it, and gave great presents to those who brought it. They also brought two boar's tusks, which weighed more than fourteen pounds apiece. And you may gather how big the boar must have been that had teeth like that. They related, indeed, that there were some of those boars as big as a great buffalo. There were also numbers of giraffes and wild asses, and in fact a marvelous number of wild beasts of strange aspect. End of chapter 33. Chapter 34. Concerning the island of Zanzibar. A word on India in general. Zanzibar is a great and noble island, with a compass of some 2,000 miles. The people are all idolaters, and have a king in the language of their own, and pay tribute to nobody. They are both tall and stout, but not tall in proportion to their stoutness, for if they were, being so stout and brawny, they would be absolutely like giants, and they are so strong that they will carry for four men, indeed for five. They are all black, and go stark naked, with only a little covering for decency. Their hair is as black as pepper, and so frizzly that even with water you can scarcely straighten it. And their mouths are so large, their nose so turned up, their lips so thick, their eyes so big and bloodshot, that they look like very devils, and are in fact so hideously ugly that the world has nothing to show more horrible. Elephants are produced in this country in wonderful profusion. There are also lions that are black and quite different from ours, and their sheep and weathers are all exactly alike in color, the body all white and head black. No other kind of sheep is found there, you may rest assured. They have also many giraffes. This is a beautiful creature, and I must give you a description of it. Its body is short and somewhat sloped to the rear, for its hind legs are short, whilst the forelegs and the neck are both very long, and thus its head stands about three paces from the ground. The head is small, and the animal is not at all mischievous. Its color is all red and white in round spots, and it is really a beautiful object. The women of this island are the ugliest in the world, with their great mouths and big eyes and thick noses. Their breasts, too, are four times bigger than those of any other women, a very disgusting sight. The people live on rice and flesh and milk and dates, and they make wine of dates and of rice and of good spices and sugar. There is a great deal of trade, and many merchants and vessels go thither. But the staple trade of the island is in elephant's teeth, which are very abundant, and they have also much ambergris, as whales are plentiful. They have among them excellent and valiant warriors, and have little fear of death. They have no horses, but fight mounted on camels and elephants. On the latter, they set wooden castles, which carry from ten to sixteen persons, armed with lances, swords, and stones, so that they fight to great purpose from these castles. They wear no armor, but carry only a shield of hide, besides their swords and lances, and so a marvelous number of them fall in battle. When they are going to take an elephant into battle, they ply him well with their wine, so that he is made half drunk. They do this because the drink makes him more fierce and bold, and of more service in battle. As there is no more to say on this subject, I will go on to tell you about the great province of Abash, which constitutes the Middle India. But I must first say something about India in general. 
You must understand that in speaking of the Indian islands, we have described only the most noble provinces and kingdoms among them, for no man on earth could give you a true account of the whole of the islands of India. Still, what I have described are the best and, as it were, the flower of the Indies, for the greater part of the other Indian islands that I have omitted are subject to those that I have described. It is a fact that in this sea of India there are 12,700 islands, inhabited and uninhabited, according to the charts and documents of experienced mariners who navigate that Indian sea. India the greater is that which extends from Mahabar to Kesmakoran, and it contains 13 great kingdoms, of which we have described 10. These are all on the mainland. India the lesser extends from the province of Champa to Mephili and contains eight great kingdoms. These are likewise all on the mainland. And neither of these numbers include the islands, among which also there are very numerous kingdoms, as I have told you. End of chapter 34. Chapter 35. Treating of the great province of Abash, which is Middle India, and is on the mainland. Abash is a very great province, and you must know that it constitutes Middle India, and it is on the mainland. There are in it six great kings, with six great kingdoms. And of these six kings, there are three that are Christians, and three that are Saracens. But the greatest of all the six is a Christian, and all the others are subject to him. The Christians in this country bear three marks on the face, one from the forehead to the middle of the nose, and one on either cheek. These marks are made with a hot iron, and form part of their baptism. For after that they have been baptized with water, these three marks are made partly as a token of gentility, and partly as completion of their baptism. There are also Jews in the country, and these bear two marks, one on either cheek. And the Saracens have but one, to wit, on the forehead, extending halfway down the nose. The great king lives in the middle of the country, the Saracens toward Aden. St. Thomas the Apostle preached in this region, and after he had converted the people, he went away to the province of Mabar, where he died, and there his body lies, as I have told you, in a former place. The people here are excellent soldiers, and they go on horseback, for they have horses in plenty. Well they may, for they are in daily war with the Sultan of Aden, and with the Nubians, and a variety of other nations. I will tell you a famous story of what befell in the year of Christ, 1288. You must know that this Christian king, who is the lord of the province of Abash, declared his intention to go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem to adore the holy sepulchre of our Lord God, Jesus Christ, the Savior. But his barons said that for him to go in person would be to run too great a risk, and they recommended him to send some bishop or prelate in his stead. So the king ascended to the council which his barons gave, and dispatched a certain bishop of his, a man of very holy life. The bishop then departed and traveled by land and by sea till he arrived at the holy sepulchre, and there he paid at such honor as Christian man is bound to do, and presented a great offering on the part of his king, who had sent him in his own stead. And when he had done all that behooved him, he set out again, and traveled day by day, till he got to Aden. 
Now that is a kingdom wherein Christians are held in great detestation, for the people are all Saracens, and their enemies unto the death. So when the Soldan of Aden heard that this man was a Christian and a bishop, and an envoy of the great king of Abash, he had him seized and demanded of him if he were a Christian. To this the bishop replied that he was a Christian indeed. The Soldan then told him that unless he would turn to the law of Mohammed, he should work him great shame and dishonor. The bishop answered that they might kill him ere he would deny his creator. When the Soldan heard that, he waxed wroth and ordered that the bishop should be circumcised. So they took and circumcised him after the manner of the Saracens. And then the Soldan told him that he had been thus put to shame in despite to the king his master. And so they let him go. The bishop was sorely cut to the heart for the shame that had been wrought him, but he took comfort because it had befallen him in holding fast by the law of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord God would recompense his soul in the world to come. So when he was healed, he set out and traveled by land and by sea till he reached the king, his lord, in the kingdom of Abash. And when the king beheld him, he welcomed him with great joy and gladness. And he asked him all about the holy sepulchre. And the bishop related all about it truly, the king listening the while as to a most holy matter in all faith. But when the bishop had told all about Jerusalem, he then related the outrage done on him by the Soldan of Aden in the king's despite. Great was the king's wrath and grief when he heard that, and it so disturbed him that he was like to die of vexation. And at length his words waxed so loud that all round about could hear what he was saying. He vowed that he would never wear crown or hold kingdom if he took not such condign vengeance on the Soldan of Aden that all the world should ring therewithal, even until the insult had been well and thoroughly redressed. And what shall I say of it? He straightway caused the array of his horse and foot to be mustered, and great numbers of elephants with castles to be prepared to accompany them. And when all was ready, he set out with his army and advanced till he entered the kingdom of Aden in great force. The kings of this province of Aden were well aware of the king's advance against them, and went to encounter him at the strongest pass on their frontier with a great force of armed men, in order to bar the enemy from entering their territory. When the king arrived at this strong pass, where the Saracens had taken post, a battle began, fierce and fell on both sides, for they were very bitter against each other. But it came to pass, as it pleased our Lord God Jesus Christ, that the kings of the Saracens, who were three in number, could not stand against the Christians, for they are not such good soldiers as the Christians are. So the Saracens were defeated, and the marvelous number of them slain, and the king of Abash entered the kingdom of Aden with all of his host. The Saracens made various sallies on them in the narrow defiles, but it availed nothing. They were always beaten and slain. And when the king had greatly wasted and destroyed the kingdom of his enemy, and had remained in it more than a month with all his host, continually slaying the Saracens and ravaging their lands, so the great numbers of them perished, he thought it time to return to his own kingdom, which he could now do with great honor. Indeed, he could tarry no longer, nor could he, as he was aware, do more injury to the enemy, for he would have had to force away by still stronger passes, where, in the narrow defiles, 
a handful of men might cause him heavy loss. So he quitted the enemy's kingdom of Aden and began to retire. And he with his host got back to their own country of Abash in great triumph and rejoicing, for he had well avenged the shame cast on him and on his bishop for his sake. For they had slain so many Saracens and so wasted and harried the land that twas something to be astonished at, and in sooth twas a deed well done, for it is not to be borne that the dogs of Saracen should lord it over good Christian people. Now you have heard the story. I have still some particulars to tell you of the same province. It abounds greatly in all kinds of victual, and the people live on flesh and rice and milk and sesame. They have plenty of elephants, not that they are bred in the country, but they are brought from islands of the other India. They have, however, many giraffes, which are produced in the country. Besides bears, leopards, lions in abundance, and many other passing strange beasts. They have also numerous wild asses, and cocks and hens, the most beautiful that exist, and many other kinds of birds. For instance, they have ostriches that are nearly as big as asses, and plenty of beautiful parrots with apes of sundry kinds, and baboons and other monkeys that have countenances all but human. There are numerous cities and villages in this province of Abash, and many merchants, for there is much trade to be done there. The people also manufacture very fine buckrams and other cloths of cotton. There is no more to say on the subject, so now let us go forward and tell you of the province of Aden. End of chapter 35 End of section 16